Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Last time on the podcast, this is almost a, a part two, but let me give you a basic recap if you missed uh, the, the last podcast. It was the one uh, titled, What If I Told You? What if I told you that you have all the faith that you need? What if I told you that you don't have faith that can grow? You have faith that is a yes or a no. Faith is not a scale of one to a hundred. You're not at 40% faith, 60% faith. The question is, how much unbelief goes along with your faith? Unbelief contradicts faith and renders it ineffective. Jesus said to the man, the man came to him and said, my son, you know, has this, um, this issue. He has epilepsy, he gets thrown around into the fire, into the water, the devil tries to drown him. And he says, it, the man says, if you can do anything, please uh, have compassion. And then, and Jesus turned and said, if you can have faith, all things are possible to them that believe. And uh, he said, I believe, help my unbelief. So the issue isn't faith or no faith. When you got born again, the Bible says in Galatians 2.20, it says that we, uh, the life we now live in the flesh, we live by 2.16 and 20. We live by the faith of the Son of God, the faith that you have in your spirit. You may feel like your faith is inadequate, but don't doubt your faith. Uh, the, the, the faith God has given you at the new birth is enough to save your soul, which is the greatest miracle. The faith, hallelujah, the faith you have right now inside your spirit is perfect. The question is, how much unbelief do you have in your heart as well? So we're going to talk about unbelief today because for us as Christians, faith is not the issue. Your faith is fine. The Bible says that Romans 12, 3, we've all received the like measure, or, or God has given unto every man the measure of faith. Second Peter one one says that we've been, um, uh, we have obtained like precious faith. That's identical faith. It isn't that some people have more faith than others. There is no more faith. It's just faith. The disciples, Luke seventeen five, the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, increase our faith. And what did Jesus say? He didn't say, just give me time. Your faith will increase as you read the word. No, he said. If you had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, or you'd say to this tree, be plucked up and moved, and it would move. He said in Mark eleven twenty four, whatsoever you shall say, uh, if you say to this mountain, be there moved, be I cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, it shall be done. So the issue isn't too too much or too little faith, or not enough faith. The issue is faith with doubt. It's possible to be in doubt. What, what does doubt mean? Doubt is wavering between two opinions. So today we're going to talk about the nature of unbelief, the nature of doubt, and then how to counteract it. This is an encouraging message. I know it's on, on doubt and unbelief, but this is encouraging because it puts the, the, the fight back in our hands. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. The devil tries hard to make you question and second guess your faith. Well, your faith's just not good enough. And then you look at people like Smith Wigglesworth, like the great men of God, and you're like, oh, I wonder if my faith could ever be that good. And so even when you, like if you go to lay hands on somebody, oh, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, and you go to lay hands, the devil's going to challenge you on where your faith is. So you don't have enough faith for that. And what do you say? Ah, yeah, maybe he's right. Maybe I don't have enough faith. And then you doubt your faith. But don't doubt your faith. Your faith is Jesus' faith. Your faith is perfect. We've received the faith of Jesus Christ. The faith that you have is all the faith that you're going to need. What we need is to have less unbelief. So let's read some of these scriptures. The Bible says in James 1, 5 through 8, that it says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and abrades not. But it says, But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. 
Don't let anyone, because th- a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Don't let him think that he'll receive anything from the Lord. What is being double-minded? Well, it's when you say, Lord, I need wisdom. And then you turn and walk away. And then you're like, well, I wonder if the Lord's actually going to give it to me. That's double-minded. What does the Bible say? The Bible said he delights in the prosperity of his servant. As Christians, there's a few things we need to have nailed down. And some of the most important things is who you are in Christ, that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You can't doubt your standing with God. You have to know that the blood of Jesus is enough. The second thing is to know that your prayers are heard. First, First John 5.14 says that we know if we pray according to his will, he hears us. And we know if he hears us that we have the petitions granted. What is that scripture saying? If your prayers can reach heaven, you know that they're guaranteed yes. So it's, are you play, praying according to the will of God? If you're saying, Lord, give me a million dollars, give me a million dollars, but but the Lord sees that you're not ready to steward a million dollars. A million dollars will ruin you, right? You'll stop going to church. You'll, you'll end up buying a uh, a crazy car and you'll end up with a promiscuous woman in the front of the car seat, right? Whatever, funny example. But whatever the, the, the situation is, that's praying against the will of God. God wants you to be blessed, but in uh, first John, 3 John 1 verse 2, it says that blessed according to the, to the measure, to he, to, the Bible says, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, to the level of your soul prospering. So if you're praying according to the word of God, you're praying the will of the Father, and you can pray confidently. You can know that if you pray confident, that if, that, that if you pray the word of God, first of all, you're the righteousness of God. There's no difference between me and between you. There's no difference between Smith Wigglesworth and us. There's, he's no more, he was no more righteous than we are. Righteousness is not a scale. Righteousness is not a one to 100. Righteousness is a yes or a no. You're either righteous or unrighteous. You're either child of God or child of the devil. So say this, say I'm the righteousness of God. But then he challenges you on your faith. Oh, your faith will never be good enough. Oh, see, you doubted and you're not good in faith. You can have a doubt in your head and not doubt in your heart. Thoughts of doubt come, but don't believe the doubts. Cast them down. The Bible says whatsoever, Philippians 4, uh, 9, whatsoever things are good, pure, four eight, a good, pure, honest, a good report. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. So number one, you need to know is unbelief, doubt comes through the senses and they come through the lies of the devil. They come to your mind first. If you think on them, they settle down into your heart. The truth is whatever you meditate on gets into your heart. If you meditate on the word, it gets into your heart and will release faith and release power. If you meditate on the circumstances, they'll get into your heart. If you meditate on the doctor's report, it'll get into your heart and it'll be what you truly believe. Well, the doctors know what they're talking about. Well, I I trust Dr. Jesus more than I trust the doctor at Tampa General Hospital. The report of the Bible is my report, not the report of the doctor. And so you dis- you decide whose report you're listening to. Who who what's what senses are you using? Are you using the sense of faith? I heard a man of God say, I believe that there were originally six senses. Your five natural senses and then faith, because the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. When man sinned, he separated from the sixth sense, the sense of faith. I don't know how true that is, but it sounds like it could be true. We're not called to walk by what we see. We're called to what to walk by what we what the word of God says. Man shall not live by bread alone. So, number one, we need to understand something. Mark chapter four, the parable of the sower. The sower sows the word, right? Some falls on 
bad ground. Some falls on shallow ground. Some falls on the wayside. Some falls amongst thorns. This is a very important. Jesus actually, the disciples asked Jesus about this, and Jesus said, how do you not understand this one? If you can't understand this one, can you under, how can you stand, understand all the rest? And then he said, the sower sows the word. And so the seed that's being sown, even right now as you listen to these podcasts, we're at podcast 200 and something, right? 205 or something right now. Podcast 205, the, the word is being sowed. You're the field and the word is being sowed. If you don't mix faith with what you're hearing, it won't benefit you. Well, I just don't feel like I've qualified for this. Some of the things you say are out there. You tell me I'm going to be rich. How, well, well, what does the Bible say? Decide to accept what the Bible says, even over what your mind is telling you. Your mind is not more trustworthy than the Bible. If the Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and then the Bible also says that his blessing is upon his people, I believe the Bible's report more than what my family lineage has told me, more than what my education has told me. I believe that God's going to give me a plan. I believe that God's going to make a way. I believe that as I'm faithful, as I access the grace of giving, as I do these things, that it's that the Lord's report produces more than what, you know, no one in my family has ever graduated college. People dwell on who they are in the natural. You should be dwelling on who you are in the supernatural, in the spiritual realm. Mark 4, and it says, these, uh, verse 15, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. You know, when I teach, when I preach, when I do a podcast like this, and I'm sowing the word, immediately the devil tries to bring doubt and to, to, to nullify the word. If I say, it's against your nature to be sick. Well, how come so many Christians are sick? That's the immediate thought. That's not your thought. That's the devil's thought. Well, I don't know. I've been sick before. What if I say you're, uh, it's against the, the nature of a Christian to live in sin? Well, I've just lived in sin my whole young adult life. I mean, that's the, that's the devil coming to steal. That's you agreeing with his thought rather than the word of God. The next verse, it says, And likewise, these there are sown on the stony, um, stony ground who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it gladness and have no root in themselves, and so they endure but for a time. Afterward, when persecution or affliction arise for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. Expect to be persecuted as a Christian. Expect friends of yours to think you're an idiot. Expect people, your family, to challenge you. No, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm going to healing school. No, I'm, 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 I'm going to serve God. I'm going into the ministry. Well, but you could make this much money doing this and doing this. Well, it's more important to serve God. They're not going to understand. You may be, you go to a church, you go to a church where they pray in a funny language. You have a funny language. It's called praying in tongues. You believe in that? Expect to be persecuted. Many people, because of persecution, because of really the fear of man, have backed off what the word says. And then it says, 18, and these that which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering, and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You know, God's called us to a focus. If we're focused on our own comfort and our own pleasure, we won't have it. But if we're focused on the kingdom of God, God will make sure that every step of the way there's joy and rejoicing. People get caught up with things, things that aren't bad things in themselves, but they're just distractions. People who, you know, spend too much time, I just play too much video game, I'm on my phone too much. People, the deceitfulness of riches. Oh, I, you know, it's important to be working. It's important to have a job. But if you're consumed by what you do, you know, putting the kingdom of God first, that's why a commitment to say, Lord, everything I do in my life is to advance your kingdom, not my own. And so the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, the cares of this world. A lot of times unbelief comes in just because of cares. You just have 
cares. You, you live a, a life just full of the cares of the world where you don't believe the world. You don't believe that there's miracles that are possible for you. You've hardened your heart to that. Yeah, I know God can do it, but you know the likelihood of him doing it for me. We shouldn't be surprised by the miracles of God. We shouldn't be surprised that we lay hands on the sick and they, and they recover. We shouldn't be surprised if we rose the dead. It shouldn't, it shouldn't freak us out. It shouldn't be like, that was so amazing. The Bible said we do greater works than Jesus. That should be the normal. We should be surprised if someone we laid hands on somebody and they don't get healed. We should be saying, Lord, what's happening that I laid hands on them and nothing happened? <laughs> that should not be my portion. I'm a child of God. I believe your word. And so the, the cares of this world. And it says, And these which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And then jumping down to verse 24, and it says, Take, be careful, pay attention to what you listen to, for the measure of thought and study you give to the truth will be the same measure of virtue and knowledge that's measured back to you. When you make a decision that I'm focusing my eyes on the word of God, and I'm studying the word, you will have, it'll produce results. But if you, all you do is entertain, you know, some people honestly listen to the arguments, you know, there's a few percentage of the world is atheist. And then people are like, well, I somehow have to be able to prove God is real. You have no responsibility to prove God is real. Stand on the other side of that. As an atheist, prove God isn't real. What a, what a complete joke. Are you kidding me? You open your eyes and you look at this earth and you have no leg to stand on. <laughs> you know, it's a very small percentage, but, but Christians carry around this weight like I have to be able to prove God. No, people know God is real. Deep in their hearts, it takes more faith to be an atheist than to believe, and to believe that DNA created itself. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Time, space, matter, all those things, they have to come into existence all at the same time. They can't come into existence separately. So the fact that all three of those came into existence all at the exact same time, oh, it's the Big Bang Theory. Where did the Big Bang come from? It came from gases. Where did the gas come from? Uh, I don't know. Nothing comes from nothing. Nowhere else in all of creation, in all of, yeah, in, exactly, in all of creation, does something come from nothing, ever. And yet somehow that's supposed to explain it. You've lost your mind. You have, you, stop thinking about the doubts of the world. Stop, stop pondering the questions of, that go against God. And start saying God is a miracle worker. God does miracles in my life. Fill your heart with belief in the word of God and see it produce fruit, fruit in your life. And so unbelief comes through your senses. So the first key is to just cast down vain imaginations. Doubt means to go between two opinions. Unbelief comes through fear. The Bible says here uh, in First uh, Peter when he walked on water, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried saying, Lord, save me. I'm turning my page here. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? That word little faith means brief faith. You who believe for a moment. Peter believed. He walked on water. But Jesus said little faith. Not because he had little faith, because he had faith, right? All you need is faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Little faith would still qualify. That word means brief faith. You believed. It's the same word that it says in 1 Timothy. Physical exercise profits little. That word doesn't mean it profits a little bit. It's, it says, the next verse says, um, but God and his prophets having promise in this life and the next. It's, it's physical exercise profits for a short time, for a brief time. Oh, you of brief faith, why did you doubt? It's because he put his eyes on the circumstances. Doubt is dealt with by when you see the circumstance, you say, bless God, the word of God is greater than my circumstance. Yes, maybe this is the way it's been my whole life, but it's not the way it's going to continue. God, your word says this, and I 
believe your word. Unbelief will hinder the power of God. But faith makes up its mind. I believe the word. If Jesus said it, it's a simple decision. Jesus has never lied and he's never let me down. And I believe the word of God. In 2020, put your eyes. Yes, the word of God, stirring, praying in tongues stirs you up on your most holy faith. Praying in tongues affects your spirit. Keep yourself stirred up. Keep meditating in the word and you'll watch doubt and unbelief begin to fade away. Fill your heart with the testimonies of Jesus Christ. Fill your heart with the testimonies of his goodness. Fill your heart with the miracle working power. Don't, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Don't doubt it. Don't, when you hear someone's testimony, don't say, oh, I wonder what really happened. Praise the Lord of them. God is a miracle worker. He still does miracles today and see God come through for you. I love you. Thanks for joining us. If you had a chance, please share this on your social media. We appreciate it greatly. Have a great day.